podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to your Tortillas and Tanks podcast. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And today, as you are actually, as I all know, we're part of the 1012 podcast or 1012 network, I should say. Um, we are very proud to be on part of the 1012 network. So because of that, we got to bring more 1012 uh, teammates, 1012 co-workers onto the pods. So you can hear them. And that's the best thing about being part of the 1012 podcast. So in this one, when it's time to talk Kansas, time to talk Kansas football, there is no one better. I'm gonna, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go ahead and say there's no one better in the country. I'm, I'm going to throw them out there. No one better in the country to talk Kansas football than my friend Andy Mitz from Blue Wings Rising. What's going on, Andy? Hey, it's great to be back. Yeah, you know what? Like I was telling you before we started recording, there's a lot of people that want to talk about Kansas, but not a lot of people that want to talk about everything in Kansas. They want to talk about Kansas basketball. So, yeah, if you want to talk Kansas football, I'm your guy. That's right. Andy has Andy's been miserable for a long time. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of misery in being a Kansas football fan. Right. I my, my boss in my in my day job, she's a Duke football fan and she talks about her misery. And I'm like, let me tell you, I got somebody that can one up you. OK, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I can compound that, too, because not only am I a KU football fan, and I believe we've talked about that here on, on this podcast before. But I was also a you know, I, I'm a Royals fan, went through the 2000s with the Royals and I'm a Chiefs fan, too. So I went through the 2000s with the Chiefs like. I lots of really bad. Like the only but thing that least, got me through all of that was Kansas basketball. At least though, on the Chiefs side, it's made up for it recently, right? Well, and yeah, then, yeah, recently, and, yeah. and, and of course, series, the Royals won a World and, Series, but yeah. you know, thirty years we between. We don't listen. I'm yeah. an Astros fan. We don't talk about 2015. That year never happened, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, so Andy here to talk Kansas football. Thanks for coming on the podcast. So, first things first. I mean, Kansas last year was a pretty interesting program, right? You come in, it's Kansas as usual. Y'all are bad. Um, everybody's making all the Kansas jokes they want to make because y'all are, you know, like, no offense, like normal, Kansas is as bad as they've always been. But then something happened, kind of like in the mid-season break, right? I want to even say maybe right after Kansas played Tech. Kansas gets whooped yeah. by Tech. It's business as usual. And then Oklahoma comes to town and y'all play them close. You play them right up to the fourth quarter, right? Oklahoma sneaks out of Lawrence barely. And then the creme de la creme. Y'all play, uh, sorry, y'all play K-State pretty tough at home as well. And then the creme de la creme, you go into Austin, Texas, and you beat the Texas Longhorns. I mean, just, I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell ask you how sweet it was. How sweet it was oh, to beat Texas. Oh, it was fantastic. Especially since, and I don't know if you remember this, but on the 1012 podcast prior to that for Roughly 18 months, right? Prior to that game, I had been hammering that Kansas was going to beat Texas in football. And I thought they were going to get them the previous year, you know, and be the, the you know, team that got to fire two consecutive Texas coaches. But uh, unfortunately, Tom Herman was able to get the axe without having to lose to the Jayhawks. Um, so like I was ready for it. I like I knew I, I knew that it was going to be a good game because I didn't believe in Texas at all. 
And I think we all found out why pretty quickly. Um, but the other thing, like, like you were talking about, like there was a transformation for that team last year. And I think a lot of it had to do, if you really think about the way the situation worked, Lance Leipold did not get a spring season at all with that team. He got hired the day before the spring game and then came and watched the spring game to just kind of watch and like, see what was going on, that kind of stuff. And so he didn't get a chance to implement a system. He didn't get a chance to go through all the off season workouts and all of that stuff. The first time he got to actually meet with his team on the field, doing a practice was the opening of fall camp before the season. And so if you really think about the amount of practice time they had, the amount of time they had to install everything, middle of the season is about where you would expect a team in terms of practice time to be at the beginning of a year. So right after that tech game, that's like right when you would expect them to start putting it together to, you know, to really have a good, a good grasp of everything that Leipold wanted them to do. And so we actually had said going in, um, you know, that like last year was like a year zero, like we were not expecting. And, and honestly, I even at times called it a year negative one, right? Cause Leipold didn't get a full season, he didn't really get to do anything in terms of recruiting, any of that kind of stuff. And so he literally was just coming in and taking a whole bunch of stuff that the last guy had left him and trying to make it work. And they were able to get a decent game plan put together, but you could tell that they just didn't know what they were doing. Like you could tell that the chemistry wasn't there. They weren't meshed well with the game plan. They were still learning the game plan. They were still trying to grasp what it was that Leipold wanted them to do. And they finally got it together. And Oklahoma saw what happened. You know, the, the other thing really, I think that a lot of people didn't realize is that there is actually a decent amount of talent on this Kansas team. The problem has been for a long time. They've gotten guys in. They haven't gotten enough guys for like the depth to be as good as, you know, the depth from other teams. And the coaches in, in the past have horribly mismanaged the way that, you know, they had the talent, you know. When you have a very talented, shifty running back that can get to the outside and you keep slamming him inside the tackles, that's a coaching issue. That's not a running back issue. That's not an offensive line issue. If you're mismanaging the talent that you have, you cannot blame those players. Kyron Johnson last year on the defensive line was an absolute terror. Was running all over the place, was you know on both sides of the line, doing a whole bunch. And we saw him get drafted right by the Eagles in the sixth round this year. He was a guy that played really well. He just did not have enough around him. And prior to halfway through the season, didn't really have an opportunity to show what he could do. And we saw that against Texas because Texas couldn't handle it. We saw that against Oklahoma because the Oklahoma offensive line was having problems. You know, I actually just got talk, just got done talking, doing an Oklahoma preview. And that was kind of the main thing that we had talked about was that last year, the offensive line was a big issue because they just couldn't get their chemistry together. And Kansas was able to take advantage of that they were able to do that against a lot of teams at the end of the season when they finally understood what they were, what they needed to be doing. Everybody was getting, was getting to their assignments. And, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. Like you never want a guy to get injured. Right. But the fact that Jason Bean and Miles Kendrick got both got injured against Kansas state, which then gave Jalen Daniels the opportunity to play against Texas like it gave them the opportunity to kind of see what they had. That was the Jalen Daniels that we all thought we were getting. Brent Deerman, you know, yep. previous yep. offensive coordinator, really <laughs> went after that guy and really believed in what he could do. And his first year as a true freshman, Kansas had no offensive line at all. He was running for his life less than two seconds after every single snap. So he didn't really get a great opportunity. 
and finally got to the point where he was able to show what he could do. And you saw what he could do against Texas. And he followed it up with two more great games against TCU and then against West Virginia to end the year. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say Jalen Daniels. That is a guy that, you know, he's a stud. He's a guy that, kept, like you said, kind of, you know, and I'm sure it was on your radar a little bit more. But for me, it came out of nowhere. I'm like, who is this kid? Third string quarterback. Don't really got to worry about him. All of a sudden, his game against his game against Texas was amazing. And then he follows that up a couple more games um, there at the end of the year against TCU and against West Virginia, two middling teams where you're like, okay, Kansas is in these games. It's not a game where it's like they're just surprising people. They're right there. They look like they're on even footing. And so that's, you know, so talk to me a little bit. Let's switch on to the offense side and switch on to, like, not just Jalen Daniels, but the rest of the offense. I mean, what can we expect? Is this going to be another situation where Jalen Daniels is kind of trying to play the magic man, or does he have some support beside him? So I forget who it was, but one, I think it was a, someone who covers Baylor was talking about watching the spring preview for the for the Jayhawks and what Jalen Daniels able is, is able to bring. I think the way that he plays is a lot different. And and just really quick, like the reason I think Jalen Daniels fell off everyone's radar is because how bad his true freshman season was, right? And again, that was that was offensive line issues. This year, there's a lot of continuity along the offensive line. They lost one starter. In, in Malik Clark, who is now uh, last I saw was, you know, in training camp with an NFL team. Um, like it's one of those things where, you know, they're bringing back four starters. They have a guy who's getting ready to, to kind of rotate up into the left guard spot. And they had a couple transfers come in that run there, you know, that one that came from Buffalo. I forget where the other one came from. I, I forgot to look it up before we got started, but like they've brought in some people to fill some spots, but they have a lot of continuity. They have a lot of chemistry there. And so I think that gives them an advantage, having been able to work through all of that to understand how, for the most part, those players are going to play together and and really build that offensive line chemistry. That should give them some more time to work. What Jalen Daniels has shown is the ability to get out, out of the pocket, you know, make plays, extend plays if he needs to kind of do what he needs to do. If he has time to actually look down the field and see what he needs to do, but it's going to be a lot of. Shorter passes, you know, finding holes in the defense pretty quickly, quick passing, wide receiver screens, you know, more of a a horizontal game to open things up and then use the speed that they have. I mean, they have three really fast running backs, Devin Neal, Kai Thomas, and then Sevian Morrison. They have Lawrence Arnold's coming back. Like They lost their best wide receiver, but they have a lot of guys who were like good second or third wide receivers last year. They have a stable of guys that all were kind of those secondary type receivers. The question is, is anyone, any of them going to be able to step up and be a primary receiver? But the other thing that Kansas has that a lot of people don't account for is they actually have a really good collection of tight ends as well. Um, a lot of people don't really think about it because Kansas for the longest time did not know how to use a tight end at all. Les Miles, I, I swear that Les Miles does not believe that a tight end is a real thing because he literally had no idea how to use them at all. Um, and, and so Kansas wasn't recruiting any of them, but they have guys that play really well. Jared Casey, the, you know, the, the hero of the Texas game, um, you know, lines up at the tight end position. It's actually kind of funny because I believe that the the interview that they gave afterwards is he actually plays as a fullback, but there's no way someone his size would ever be taken seriously listed as a fullback on the roster. So they list him at tight end. So he, you know, like, but, but, but it's one of those things. They have three different tight ends that can actually catch the ball that, that actually 
did fairly well receiving last year. And so they have that added wrinkle that they can use. And that plays into the way that Jalen Daniels likes to play. So I, I do think you're going to see a different offense than what we had last year. We're going to be much closer to what we saw in those last three games than anything that we had before. But you also have to remember that Jason Bean is on the roster as well. Still, he still can get out there. His leg is, is, is still a huge weapon. And last year they showed that they like to have lining up in the running back spot, a running back that can also throw the ball if needed. So they, they did that last year a few times, had some wildcat stuff with a guy that was a converted quarterback into a running back that adds another wrinkle to the offense. So, you know, it, it is one of those things. We are extremely happy to have a guy in Lance Leipold who has shown, you know, with his with his offensive coordinator and Andy Kudelnicki, like the ability to be creative with what they have and really play to the strengths of the guys that they have on the roster. Um, you know, I think the favorite story that everybody liked to talk about when Leipold got hired is you had two different years when they were at Buffalo, like the last two years they were in Buffalo. One year they they led most of I think it was I think they were like second in FBS in rushing. And then the year after that, they were second in FBS in passing like they have shown the ability to be able to adapt their offense to the guys they have on the field. The question always then becomes execution. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, especially when you have Daniels and Neal. I could easily see Kansas being one near the top in rushing because you didn't even Devin Neal's a, a he's a dude. Oh, gosh, he's, he's a, a beast. Right. And so like a few years ago, I, was, I remember we talked about Puka Williams and how I love much. I love Puka Williams. Then Puka kind of fell off in 2020 a little bit. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, that's probably the best well, running back Kansas is going to see. And then here comes Devin Neal. I don't well, <laughs> Puka fell off not because he got worse. Puka fell off because everybody started paying attention to him because he was the only real weapon on that on, on the field most I mean, of the time. Facts. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, like when then that's the guy you can focus on, it's going to be a lot harder for him to do what he needs to do, especially if other people don't step up to kind of take some of that pressure. So, but yeah. you can't do that Dave, with this team now. And I think that's the no. thing is, is that y'all do actually have like y'all actually got some people that can play. <laughs> like, yep. that's, that's that's I think some of the difference on the offensive side. So switch over to defense a little bit. And you talked about how your D line was able to really force some things on both Oklahoma and Texas last year. And the weird thing is, is though you mentioned are your arguably your best D lineman leaving for the NFL, I would argue your front seven in general got better. Like your front yeah, seven is yeah, probably the the the, the they your front seven is the um probably the best unit on the team and that is having a your front seven as that unit that can really push the line push and move in the trenches and control the control that line there is a quality thing to have and that's usually what leads to a couple more wins than you should get I mean talk a little bit about not not just the front seven but the defense as a whole. Well, yeah, I mean, so so front seven wise, Gavin Potter was a player who developed a lot last year, and he actually is coming into the year as one of, I think, the underrated players that is probably going to see an improvement that most people are going to have no idea. He's going to be that so, guy. You're going to look at Kansas and be like, who the hell is that guy? Where did he so come from? Quick. It's like, yeah, go, go ahead. So real quick, <laughs> yes. so I, I know that that's a Gavin name. <laughs> I, I know, I know that's a name you guys don't really like very much because yeah, of the way that he fans, committed. So tech fans know about Gavin Potter. Gavin, if, if for those that don't know about Gavin Potter, Gavin Potter is the one uh, back in I think it was 2018 or 2019. Um, it was between Kansas, Kansas State, and Tech. He uh, decided to take off his K-State shirt because he wasn't going to K-State. He had a double T underneath. And actually, I think he was – people thought he was going to Tech, if I'm not mistaken. That yeah, was yeah. the crystal so, ball prediction. Was so to go to coming tech. in, a lot of people thought he was going to Tech. He State. had on the K-State jacket, right? Yeah, that's right. So that's he right. stood up, 
took it off and he had the double T. It was like, oh, he has a homemade shirt. Like that's gotta be where he's going, right? He takes it, he rips it in half, like in the front, you know, like Hulk Hogan yeah. style. And and then puts on the KU hat and is wearing a KU shirt underneath. Like that rubbed yeah. a lot of people the wrong way. And honestly, oh, no, I completely absolutely. forgotten about that until you started like <laughs> reacting to me talking about Gavin Potter. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's Gavin Potter. <laughs> Tech fans remember, Tech fans remember Gavin Potter mostly because last year's game, Gavin Potter got ran over and Tech fans decided to bring that video back up again. So if, if yeah, you don't know yeah. anybody else on the Kansas Jayhawk team, you'll remember Gavin Potter. But Gavin Potter has, he's improved. He was a starter last year, one of the better defensive, one of the better linebackers last year and is now the main guy in the middle that we thought we would get at Tech. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been he's been fantastic in the middle. Um, he is one of those guys. It's taken him a while to get to where he needs to be, but he played a lot as a true freshman. He played. I mean, he played a lot really early. I think before he was actually ready to play, which caused a lot of people to sour on him. I think very similar to the Jalen Daniel situation, where he was not in a good situation when he first started. So everybody was like, "Oh, well, he just doesn't have it." And then you know, fast forward to when he's actually had time to develop, time to understand what he's doing. He plays a very, very pivotal role in the middle of that defense. Um, Lonnie Phelps, who just transferred in as well, uh, you know, he is a huge addition for them in that linebacking core. Uh, I honestly think that Kansas linebacking core is going to be very underrated this year because most people don't recognize most of the names that are there, but they have been playing very well. You know, and the other thing, too, is like this defense, uh, the defensive secondary is completely revamped. Kenny Logan is is, you know. Holding down one safety spot, he was on the first team preseason All Big Twelve, um, and that was fully expected. But coming out of the spring preview, like the one thing that they said that I don't think a lot of people really took too seriously was, you know, Kansas coaches said, "Hey, look, we've got to get better at the cornerback position. What we have here is not going to cut it." And then they went out in the transfer portal, and I believe that they picked up seven different guys that can play in that defensive secondary now that either that either are primarily a cornerback or are a safety that has also played cornerback at the college level. And so they have a lot of new talent coming in. I don't know how well all of them are going to mesh, but you have to think with how you know conservative an effort they have to get a bunch of guys in that could all play that position, that they're going to find something. I don't know how, how long it's going to take for them to find something, but that was the big problem they had last year, right? Was they had a couple guys that could play for a good portion of the game, but the minute they went to the bench, like you were bombing passes over all these guys because they couldn't keep up. And so Kansas made a very, very big effort to try to get as many bodies as they possibly could to help fill out that defensive secondary. I'm actually a little concerned about the defensive line, not necessarily because I think that the talent that they have there is bad, but they don't have a guy that for sure is going to run guys over. They have a lot of really good guys that I think play with really good technique and have an opportunity but but I do think it's much more of a finesse defensive line than I was hoping for coming into this year. It's not like Kyron Johnson where, you know, he's running so fast that he slips by a guy, but is also like hitting them hard enough that he could knock them down. Like we saw what he could do in the NFL or in the senior bowl. Like he knocked over a guy that was much, much bigger than him because of the speed and the technique that he used. We don't have a guy like that, I think, on this line. Caleb Sampson is a guy that I think a lot of people have a lot of expectations for on that Kansas defensive line. I don't know if he's quite developed to the same degree. He definitely, I think, has more strength. The question really is just, is he going to be able to use it in a way to bull rush over guys? I, I'm not sure that I quite see it yet, but that doesn't mean that it's not something that, that can't get there. I just haven't had an opportunity to really see much of him since, you know, spring. So. 
Yeah, I do think that with the D line, you're gonna you're definitely gonna want it to be there because the Big 12's changing, right? The Big 12, people look at the Big 12 and say that oh, it's this open spread offense and we're gonna score 50 points a game. That's oh, not no, really not the anymore. Big 12 in 2022. Like it hasn't been the mm-hmm. Big 12 for a few really since before the pandemic, right? <laughs> like so yeah. we, we're not that same conference anymore. Now we're definitely, I mean, we've last year we had some of the best running backs in the entire country. This year we still have some of the best running backs and best running games in the entire country in this conference. So having that front seven and having the the trenches uh, held down in both offense and defense is going to be important for every team. And that includes Kansas. Um, and really, I think the main thing for Kansas, Kansas fans and what they're going to be really excited for, if they're not already excited for the football team, they got to be excited for some of the stuff they're going to wear and they're going to get from home field apparel, uh, home field apparel. Last time I was on, I was talking to Jamie about the stuff that home field apparel has for Iowa state and how fly it is. And it is. Iowa State has great swag. I, you know, I've, I'm convinced because Iowa State has great swag. Kansas has great swag. What, what are y'all doing to the on field apparel people to get such great stuff? Because Kansas, you got the sexy legs Jayhawk on there. You got, you got the Nat- Natty Champ shirts that's on there. Uh, Kansas has absolute fantastic stuff on home field apparel, and Kansas isn't alone. Tech also great things on home field apparel as well. We also have our own basketball shirt. I have my tortillas toss shirt that I love so very much. Got the old school double t on there as well so make sure to go to homefieldapparel.com use the promo code takes 12 that's t-a-k-e-s one two takes 12 to get 15 percent off your first order and just because you're you know fan of the pod just because you're a fan of the pod friend of the pod you get that 15 percent off your first order but make sure to get all the tech stuff if you're a Candace person listening to this great stuff on there great hoodies on the website as well so go to homefieldapparel.com so andy i know from homefield you can expect great swag but what can you expect from the Kansas Jayhawk football team this year. What are your expectations? What are you looking for this year? Well, um, I've I've already been gotten dragged by Kansas State fans because of my predictions for how I think. Look, it's it's Phillips' fault. He does this to me all the time. He wanted bold predictions at the beginning of the year, right? So I had some <laughs> fairly it. bold predictions. Let's One of them it. was that and it didn't come through, but I think Kansas winning the title in basketball really helped because I had thought we were gonna have three Big 12 Final Four teams. That didn't happen. But my one of my bold predictions was that Kansas was going to beat Kansas State the end of the season to go six and six and qualify for a bowl. That 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 what like this That's year? a very bold prediction. Like this year. Like this year, yeah. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Look, look, it's one of those things I like. I got dragged on Twitter for this because it came okay. back up. And it's one of those things, you know what? I made the prediction. I, I, again, I would not be shocked if Kansas does not, because I don't think anybody really expects, like you look at that at the over under over at Vegas and it's two and a half games. I think that is extremely low. Like I don't, I'm having a hard time, you know, really contemplating how they could actually hit the under on that. Like I I could see them maybe only winning three if things go really badly for them, but it's really hard especially early, like they might, they might actually hit the over on that before week five is over. Like Kansas has a very good beginning of the year schedule, especially for a team that has made that much progress that came on so strong at the end of the year is bringing back a huge amount of production. They, they, they were, I believe number three in terms of returning production from last year. And it's not like it's a case where, you know, they have a whole bunch of guys that just aren't any good and, and they didn't have anywhere else to go. Like these are guys that have that played well at the end of the last year that, you know, a lot of people are recognizing that, hey, they've got talent. They just need to be able to put it into practice like on the field. 
And then they've, they've, you know, shored up a whole bunch of extra positions, but like I have them, I have them winning six with a, with a decent chance for that ad to actually happen. But I mean, that requires them to beat Tennessee tech that requires them to beat West Virginia on the road in week two, which I definitely think is a possibility, especially since West Virginia is having to replace a whole bunch of stuff. You know, that also includes them beating Duke at home in week four. Yeah. Then they've got to get like a TCU or an Iowa state or someone like that early in the season. We all both, know they're going to beat Texas games, again. Like we all know it's going to happen. Texas is going down to the Jayhawks one more time, at least. Um, so like, look, there are definitely opportunities and, and, you know, as much as you may not want to admit it, or your, your listeners may not want to admit it, that, that Texas tech game for the Jayhawks is a good opportunity for them to get a win, not guaranteeing well, that they're going to win it, but it's a good well, opportunity for them. And then yeah. I'm not sold on Kansas state. I don't think Adrian Martinez is anywhere near as good as a lot of people seem to think he's going to be. I hear all the people talking about Kansas State being a dark horse for potentially winning the Big 12 this year. I don't see it. I fully recognize that I'm biased, so I very well may be missing something. But just looking at what they have, looking at what they brought in, I just I, I, I'm not as high on those pieces as a lot of people are. And so that's where I see Kansas getting that last win that they need to get bowl eligible this year. So let's 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 go go to that tech game. So let's let's talk about Kansas Texas Tech. So Texas Tech did lose to Kansas back in 2019 uh, with our previous coach. That was his first year. That was his first year as head coach. Lost to Kansas in a wild and wacky sequence in Lawrence that no team should ever really lose a game that way. But Tech found a way to do it. Um, and so that's that's the only time for as long as I can remember that Tech has lost to, lost to Kansas. And so. With going to that game now, I know Tech fans are pretty high on the team right now because we have. A, I mean, there's a lot of momentum when it comes to Texas Tech as a program. Um, as the 2022 team, I think people outside of Lubbock have rightfully put us pretty low. <laughs> put us pretty low, and this is a team that I think most people are. I, I don't. I don't. I don't even know what the Vegas over under is right now for for Tech wins, but. Um, uh, I think right now, I know the 10-12 predi- uh, preseason prediction was that Tech would be ninth, Kansas 10th. The Big 12 media prediction was Texas Tech ninth, Kansas 10th. And if you're a Kansas fan, you definitely – I think the worst part about it for Kansas is the fact that it's in Lubbock as opposed to being in Lawrence. Yeah. Um, so it's – but let's, let's look – looking ahead to that game, I mean, what – from the Kansas side, what scares you about Texas Tech and what do you feel a little bit more cozy about? Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think Texas Tech is kind of in a similar situation to what Kansas was last year, right? In that they they felt really good about the hire. They feel really good about the direction of the program. The question is always going to be, how long will it take everything to gel? Like, is it all going to gel in year one? Or is it one of those things where they're going to have to figure things out as they go? Um, Texas Tech has also had kind of injury issues at the quarterback position that has caused them a lot of problems in the last few years. That's not necessarily, you know, like you you can't expect that to continue, but it's happened often enough that you kind of wonder, like kind of like with TCU having, you know, injury issues. What's going on with that offensive line? What's going on with the weight program? Like what is going on that you routinely have issues with players getting critical injuries? And, and so if Texas Tech stays healthy and everything comes together, you know, that's that's it's really hard at the end of the year. We saw it happen with Kansas where they got everything together at the end of the year. And all of a sudden they were a much better team than people really gave them credit for. I think something like that's possible for Texas Tech, but that doesn't happen nearly as often as people want to think it does. Like that is one of those things where when you have to make the kind of changes that Tech had to make in this offseason, 
it takes time to put it all together. Kansas fans know that all too well. Like it takes time to get everything running the way you want it to. And so like, that's why you think you have to feel good about that one. That also the TCU one, cause they're, they're both in similar situations, right? Where they had very disappointing ends of the season, brand new coaches trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do. You know, potential questions at quarterback where the quarterback position, you know, like you, you have to feel pretty good about where you're at, but there's still kind of those lingering questions in your mind about is the, the situation quite as solid as you think it is. And so like, yes, I, I definitely think that tech could end up being a good team. I would not be shocked if tech played well enough to finish, you know, fifth in the conference because other like this big 12 conference is absolutely ridiculously all over the place this year. Like even more so than last year, this is a conference where you could pretty much draw every single team out of a hat to get the order. And I would, I might quibble here and there with a few of them, but for the most part, I would just be like, I mean, I guess I could see that happening somehow. Like this is the strangest conference that we have seen in a really, really long time, mainly because there's not a team that I immediately say is absolutely the worst team. There is no way that they could beat any of these other teams. And there's not a team that says they're so much better than every other team that they're going to win every single game. I don't see, you know, either of and those extremes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fun? It's great. Like, that's a lot it's, of fun. it's great until the national media uses it against you for, you know, playoff positioning, but, but that's our, but, but that's a completely other story that I don't think either of our teams really have to worry about this year. So, um, <laughs> but no, like it's one of those things where I am, I am cautiously optimistic about the possibility that Kansas could go ahead and pick up a win in Lubbock against Texas tech. Because again, I, I just, I think that the growth of Kansas over the course of the season is more sure than the growth of Texas tech over the course of the season. That being said, I, I do see plenty of scenarios where Texas tech gets better over the season because things just click really quickly and Kansas takes a little bit more time. So I mean, that's I think that's why I have to feel good about this game. I, there's no way I'm going to guarantee a win or anything like that, especially with it being that late in the season, because we saw how much things change over the course of an entire year. But like if this was a game that was, you know, week two, I'd feel really good about this game because I do think that Kansas as of right now, like if you put line them up on the field right now, I think Kansas would know a heck of a whole lot more about how they want to play and and what they're good at and being able to execute that game plan than Texas Tech. But there's a lot of time between now and November. No, I mean, I think that's actually a great point. I think if we were, we were playing Kansas earlier in the year, I would feel a little bit less about it. Um, but I will say, Kansas and Lubbock, Kansas is currently 1-10 in 10 in Lubbock, Texas. Only win coming in 2001, uh, which was, I believe, Mike Leach's second year as the coach, as the head coach of the uh, Texas Tech Raiders. So, it, it could, it, I mean, I'm, I, I do not hold back. It could happen. Do I think it's going to happen? No, nah, man, I think we're going to make that thing 1-11. But... You know, could happen. So let's. So you already said you have six and six, beating K State at the end of the year. Not gonna lie to you, I'm one of those people that have K State as a dark horse um, title contender. I think there. It's not that I think Adrian Martinez is that incredible. I think it's probably one of the best matches made in heaven uh, when it comes to transfer QBs in their new school. I think his skill set just fits what K State does so tremendously that it's great. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I um. My, I have the Jayhawks at three and nine. I have the Jayhawks at three and nine. Um, most, I, I do think y'all are getting a lot better. Um, I, I mean, obviously you're going to win te- Tennessee Tech. I think you do beat Duke. Um, and I think you are going to upset a team in the Big 12. My pick is the win against TCU, 
who I am very down on. I'm not high on TCU, and I'm sure whoever we have for the TCU episode, whether it's Colin, Melissa, or Jamie, or whoever, will tell me how wrong I am. Uh, but I'm not high on TCU at all. Y'all have TCU at home. You've also beaten TCU here in the past five or so years. Um, so and Yeah, yeah, that we, was a butt fumble game. Yeah, and because we <laughs> lost to Kansas in 2019, right, we now once again have the upper hand over Texas, but we still don't have the upper hand over TCU in this scenario. So I need you to beat TCU again. So it's like, ha, ah, we may have lost in 2019, but we didn't lose twice. That's on y'all. There you go. And so I need that. Also, if you could beat Baylor, that'd be cool because you haven't beaten Baylor yet. That'd be awesome. But I, but I am going I'm going three and nine. Um, I, sorry, Andy, I don't see bowl in it, but I do see improvement. And that's what matters. That is. Yeah. I mean, you look, I'm going to be completely honest. Like I, I it's one of those things where if you're trying to give a bold prediction, that is one that is at least believable and possible. And I'm also one of those people that when I make a prediction like that, I don't like pretend like I didn't say it or like, you know, caveat a whole bunch of it. I did in an article series of way too early predictions, especially right when I realized that one Kansas at the time did not have a 2023 class at all yet in terms of recruiting and that I wasn't quite sold on some of the transfers that had come in, um, you know, early, like a month and a half ago, you know, I went through the, or the way too early predictions. And I think I ended up coming up with like a four and eight record or something like that. So like, I can definitely envision scenarios of how you get there to only getting three or four wins. Um, but it is one of those things. Like there is, you know, like we said, the big 12, is a land of of opportunities this year because there are there is not a team that is absolutely so far above every other team that that you're like you can't see how your team could potentially beat them. You know what, Andy? Stick your chest out. Say it with your chest. Kansas is going to walk in to Norman, Oklahoma, and beat the Oklahoma Sooners this year that they weren't able to oh, no, no. say it with your chest. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I literally just got done earlier from when we were recording this, recording a preview that's going up on my podcast feed of the Oklahoma Sooners, where we joked and talked about how Oklahoma was going to go 10 and two, and they were going to lose to Nebraska and Kansas this year. There we go. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So um, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's always a great time when you're on um, Andy. Usually, Hot seat. We we only get first time guests on the hot seat. You know, that's that's kind of like their initiation into it. We call it a day. They go home crying, whatever. You did the hot seat last year, but we got new questions. We got new questions. I want to give them to you. So are you are you ready? Yeah, I am used to getting roasted by K-State fans on Twitter. So I think I'll fit right in. <laughs> there you go. All right. First things first. Are you going to miss playing Texas and Oklahoma? I'm going to miss beating Texas. I don't know that I'll miss, you know, playing Oklahoma. Uh, um, other than K-State, who is your biggest Big 12 rival? Biggest Big 12 rival? That's a tough one. I, I have to say uh, probably Iowa State, especially like when you bring in basketball to it, you know, that there's that basketball rivalry. But honestly, like Iowa State used to be just as horrible as Kansas and football. Like that used to be our bond there was that, we, hey, we both suck. Um, and, and they kind of, you know, got a little too big for their britches and decided that they didn't want to do that anymore with us. So. I I I think that there's, you know, plus the beatdown they put on KU when I actually traveled up for that game last year and had to watch that was absolutely ridiculous. So I hate Iowa State right now. Not really, but but yes. Favorite Kansas athlete of all time. Oh gosh, there's a lot of them. Um, you know what? I'm gonna have to go. I was in high school. My favorite was Nick Collison. Nick Collison. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, Wilt Chamberlain or Paul Pierce? 
Yes. <laughs> Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> Got to go with Wilt. Uh, uh, Reesing, Tyler Reesing, or Pat Mahomes? Ooh, man, you're 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 cutting me deep. You're cutting me deep. Look, Andy you, is you a have, fan. You remember. have to. No, no, you you have to recognize the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. So I, I'm I'm gonna go with Mahomes. I, I, I think that Reesing would forgive me for picking Patrick Mahomes over him. I, I think he'd. I think he'd let you slide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, which of the new Big Twelve teams are you most excited to play? Uh, only because I'm LDS. BYU. Uh, I'm I'm actually really excited about playing BYU. I've wanted to, you know, be able to root for them and actually pay attention to what they're doing for quite a long time. Um, but just in terms of uh, like, I'm I'm really intrigued by Cincinnati as well. I think that that has the potential to be a really interesting matchup moving forward for a lot of big 12 teams. But personally, I'm a little selfish. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad the BYU's here. Uh, what was a better experience as a Kansas fan going to a BCS bowl game in football or winning a national championship in basketball? Are you trying to get me in trouble? Of course it's winning a national championship. Come on. This is, hey, this is football. We're talking. This is Kansas football. We're yes, I about. know, but come on, come on. Do you really think that Kansas fans would ever let me live down saying that going to a BCS bowl game was better? Like if it was winning a national championship in football, well then yeah, I could probably like, cause that's never going to happen again, but like, come on, it's basketball. Better feeling beating Missouri in basketball or beating Texas in football. Yes. <laughs> no. Um, look, look, it's it's another one of those things. It happens so often beating Missouri in basketball that beating Texas in football is is better. Favorite restaurant in Lawrence? Oh gosh, it's been a while since I've actually gone to Lawrence to find a restaurant to eat at. So I'm just gonna have to go with oh gosh. Uh, I mean, there's quite a few good ones. Twenty Third Street Brewery or Jefferson's are two that come to mind pretty quick. I have heard of Twenty Third Street Brewery. So that is that definitely want to check out if you're in Lawrence. Um, and then last but not least, and we asked you this last year, we're going to ask you it again. Better tortilla, corn or flour? Flour. There we go. Um, thank you a lot, Andy, for coming on the podcast. I do got to say, we did have our guest from UCF. We asked him his favorite restaurant in, uh, in Orlando, and he said Olive Garden. So, you know, <laughs> are you sure he's from Orlando and not from Manhattan? He at least went to school in Orlando at the very least, you know. It's, oh, my ah, gosh. Dig, really? Dig. Really? Manhattan. Look, ah. we make fun of Kansas State fans for talking about how, you know, Olive Garden in Manhattan is one of the best recruiting tools that they have. So, like, come on. Fine, seriously. Fine dining. That's like fine yeah, dining yeah. right there. Yeah, that was that was the joke we used to have for Baylor and Waco because they had that Chili's on campus. So it's like, man, that Chili's, yeah, nothing else to eat in Waco, but that Chili's. Boy, I tell oh you. man, <laughs> nothing right, like Andy. a good old chain restaurant, right? <laughs> I tell you, uh, Andy, tell everybody where they can see you because if you listened to our podcast last year and you heard all of Andy's where he was writing at and all that other stuff, it has changed. Andy, tell the people. Yeah, yeah. So I am now actually the publisher of the SI Fan Nation site, Blue Wings Rising, where we cover all of the Jayhawks as well. We're in the middle of a 100-day countdown to Kansas football, which is really a lot harder to do than I thought it was going to be. I took it over from the guy that used to run Rock Chalk Talk. He gave me his blessing to do it over there. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe that you actually talked about Kansas football for 100 days straight and came up with stuff to talk about every single day. But BlueWingsRising.com. 
uh, on Twitter at Blue Wings Rise. Uh, you can listen to the podcast, Rock Chalk Podcast, where we talk about all of Kansas athletics at Rock Chalk Pod on Twitter. And then, of course, I talk about Big 12 stuff over on the 1012 podcast with Philip and over on Twitter at Andy Mitz 12. That's great. Thanks, Andy. Um, I got nothing else for y'all. Uh, it's great having Andy. Great talking Kansas football. Like I know, I know most people don't usually talk Kansas football, but I promise you, if you sit back and spend forty minutes listening to Kansas football, so you'll be the most knowledgeable Kansas football person you could be outside of Lawrence, Kansas. So um, very informational, very educational. So thanks, Andy, for coming on and letting us know. And so for the man that is Andy Mitz, this is Albie Shorn. You've been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the Ten Twelve Network and the official podcast for Red Raider Sports. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.